Well, good morning, church. I trust you've been enjoying this time of worship. Man, I've, I've been blessed as you've just been worshiping the Lord and just been caught up in His presence, such a sense of His presence. And I trust you have enjoyed as well this time together. Today and next uh, Sunday, we're going to be talking about missing at Christmas, things that are missing at Christmas. It has been said that the greatest danger in Christian life is losing interest in what is familiar, okay? The greatest danger in Christian life is losing interest in what is familiar. You can become so familiar with certain things, certain aspects of Christianity that you kind of lose interest. It kind of loses its, its wonder to you. We tend to get used to things we do often, and to things we believe. It becomes almost like, hey, matter of fact. And, and what happens there is that problem can go through to other aspects of life, not just in our Christian life. It can go on to relationships, to family, to husbands, wives, and children, and friends, and, and all sorts of things. We say, oh, you know, I'm so used to this. And, and we begin to lose the admiration and the wonder of what is going around you. The wonder of that relationship, the wonder of that person that you're doing life with. We have to be so careful about familiarity. When familiarity creeps in, you take things for granted, you don't notice things, and things can really go on a downward spiral. For many people, this is what happens during Christmas. It's a season that once was exciting and happy and, and full of meaning, suddenly just becomes that stressful time of the year. You know, we have to rush around. It's, it's messy. And, and you can't wait until it's over. There's so much to do and, and not enough time and not enough hands to get things done. And maybe that is because we are missing something in our Christmas. The reason it becomes familiar, becomes stressful, and we lose sight of the real meaning is perhaps because we are missing something. And that's what you're going to consider today and next Sunday. In the midst of all the hustle, in the midst of all the bustle, maybe we are missing something. Maybe we need to rediscover something that we've lost along the way. Maybe we need to strip back all these layers that we've added to Christmas over the years. Strip those back until we find what is missing. Two weeks ago, I spoke about Xmas or Christmas, remember? I wonder if you've got still the, yeah, remember that, 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 that term, it was two weeks ago, Christmas or Xmas, and the fact that so many people have taken Christ out of Christmas, right? Many people have left Christ out of Christmas, but there is no doubt that Christmas is a time when many people, including non-Christians, remember Christ. In fact, Christmas, for some people, it's the only time they think about Christ. Now, I, I want to show you something. Look at this following slide. If that looks like Greek to you, it's because it is Greek. <laughs> okay? As you know, the New Testament was written in, in Greek. And what you see on top there, that top word, is Christos. It is the word Christ in Greek. That first word there is the K, and then followed by a R, okay, Christos. And if you look at that first word, to us, looks like an X, but it's the Greek word K, all right? And so maybe, 
when you look at Xmas, people have replaced Christos. It's the symbol of Christ, okay, for Christmas. In fact, in the, in the first and second and third century, often Christians would abbreviate Christ with an X or an X and what looks like a P. You see that second letter there looks like a P. It's actually an R. They'd put X or XR uh, as a symbol of Christ. Some of the more ancient churches, older churches, they still use it today. When you get into some church buildings or in some church literature of the more traditional churches, you find that X with what looks like a P over it, it is a symbol for Christos. In other words, for Christ. The word Christ in, in Greek. Now, here's the thing. Uh, removing a few letters from the word Christmas will not remove Christ from Christmas. What removes Christ from Christmas is forgetting what Christmas is about. If we forget that Christmas is about Christ, that is what removes Christ from Christmas. And so let's go to something we are missing for Christmas, from Christmas. Look at one thing that you are missing from Christmas today. And to do that, we've got to take a quick trip through the Old Testament. You must remember, we celebrate Christmas one day, one night a year is when you celebrate Christmas. Jesus was born on that certain night. But it took a whole lot of events to get to that night. It's not just about that one night. And so let, let's take a look a little bit at the Old Testament, just a couple of scriptures that led up to that night. We start with Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Genesis 3, 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In this portion of scripture, Adam and Eve were tempted by Satan and they sinned against God for the first time. There would be many more times after that. And God told Adam and Eve the wages of their sin. And then he turns to the serpent, to Satan, and this verse is what God says to Satan. And notice that, that from Eve's offspring, there will be someone coming. It's a third person. He, okay, from, he shall bruise you. Somebody is going to come. Out of Eve's offspring, someone is going to come. And he is going to crush Satan. At some point, that descendant is going to come. And he's going to strike the devil. He's going to defeat the devil. Thousands of years before the birth of Christ. The word is there already. It is clear that he is coming. Let's go to Isaiah 9.6. Isaiah 9.6, a verse well known to us in this season. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulders. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah is a prophet who lived around 700 years before Christ. But God revealed these things to him. In the future, Isaiah was notified by God. In the future, a child will be born. And this is not going to be an ordinary child. It's going to be all those things. Wonderful, counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. He's not an ordinary child. Let's look at Isaiah 7.14. Still the same prophet. And the Lord tells him, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son 
and shall call his name Emmanuel. The Lord is going to give us a sign when this child comes. A virgin will conceive him. He will be Emmanuel, which means God worth us. And then finally, let's go to Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2. So listen, watch all these, these, these pointers which God is giving. Thousands, hundreds of years before. But you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are a little, a little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting. Now, God is telling us where Emmanuel is going to be born. In Bethlehem. But not only that, he says, this child that is coming... He has actually always been. He said, this child is going to be born, but he is from old, from everlasting. Can you, can you wrap your mind around that? So, you know, from the beginning, God says, someone is going to come to crush Satan's head, and, and the sign is going to be, he's going to be a, a, a wonderful child, he's going to be a special child, mighty God, they'll be called Emmanuel, God with us, and he'll be born out of a virgin, he's going to be born in Bethlehem, but this child that is going to be born has actually existed from eternity. Wow. Huh? Wow. What is one of the, the things missing from our Christmas? It's what I've just said. Wow. <laughs> it's the wow factor. We, we've lost the wow factor. What's miss, missing? Amazement. We've lost our amazement. You know, it's like, oh yeah, oh yeah, Christmas, oh that's right, oh yeah, there's something about Mary and a donkey and then Joseph and an angel, no, yeah, 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 but oh yeah, 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 old story. <laughs> and we don't realize, though, wow, all that happened so that that night could take place. That night was no ordinary night. Huh? Special children like that are not born every day. We've lost our amazement. We put up, we put up the Christmas lights and, and we forget what God has done to bring us Christmas. We stand in long shopping queues and forget that Christmas means so much more. We get angry sitting in, in crazy traffic trying to do all that we have to do before Christmas and we've lost our amazement at the incarnation. It's incorrect. Intrinsically false. Okay, never mind. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm taking you off now. <laughs> Those of you that the play know what I'm talking about. Okay. A little personal joke. But we have lost the amazement of the incarnation. Of all that took for Christmas night to happen. And all that happened in, on Christmas night. God had a plan for thousands of years to come into his creation. That's amazing. God planned for thousands of years to send Jesus to be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. Wow, amazing. God gives clues to the whole world that he's about to take back what was his. Amazing. We need to recover our amazement. Here are three quick things that should amaze us about Christmas. Number one, we should be amazed that God would step into his own creation. Huh? 
Look around you. We, we see so much pain in this world, so much that is wrong. Why on earth would God want to step into a world like this? And yet he did. John 1.14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. As, and we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The word is Jesus, God the Son. He took on human flesh and made his home among his creation. The creator. Becoming part of his creation. He showed us God. And when we see Jesus, we see God. We see God loving. We see God being faithful. We see the creator coming to redeem, to take back his creation that had been separated from him because of sin. Christmas is that amazing time when the creator came to begin his rescue of creation. The whole process began that evening when Jesus was born. The whole process of him becoming a man and growing up to become our savior and today to be our Lord, King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen. We should be amazed that God would step into his own creation. Number two, we should be amazed that Jesus entered the world as a nobody. Come on. If he's going to come to redeem the world, if he is king, if he is God, if he is Lord, then shouldn't he have entered with a fanfare? At least come into a very rich family, being born in luxury as a king and a prince should, not Jesus. Luke chapter 2 verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And sometimes we might feel there is no room for us in life. You're not understood. We don't seem to get what you want to get in life. Always bumping against the wall. Jesus understands that. There was no room for him the night he arrived on this planet. God was born in a barn. He spent his first night in a cattle feeding trough. He identifies with the lowest of the low. And when he offers help, comfort, and escape, he knows what he's talking about because he has been there. Christmas is amazing because it reminds us that Jesus identifies with us. And thirdly, we should be amazed that God would think so much of us. Yes, you. Even you. Me? Yeah, you. And God knows what you did yesterday, last week, the month before, your whole life. Would God think of you? Do you really think you should matter to God? What's so special about you? And that's the amazing thing about Christmas. God thinks about you. He thinks so much about you. Galatians uh, chapter 4, verse 4 and 5. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. He comes into a humanity under the curse of sin. By law, we should all be punished, but he comes and he redeems us. He sets us free. He buys us back. When the right time came, Jesus stepped in and he came to free us and adopt us. Isn't it amazing that God thinks so much of you? That he thinks it's worth his time and worth his death for you and I to buy us back, 
to redeem us, to make us sons and daughters of God. Christmas is amazing because it means we have freedom in Christ and we can join God's family. And I pray that every one of you listening to this message, both here in the hall and in this recording, I pray that you have made that decision, that you've understood the love of Christ for you, that no one else can save you, no one else can, can, can make you a child of God, that you can't save yourself. Your best works are not good enough, that only Jesus, his forgiveness, can bring us into relationship with God. And I trust that all of us, this Christmas can say, thank you, Jesus, because of you, I am a child of God. So folks, don't let the familiarity of this season, nor the stresses of the season, rob you of the amazement surrounding the birth of the Savior. Allow that wow factor to come back into Christmas. And not only Christmas, become aware of the amazing things happening around you in every day life. We can get so caught up in our lives and in our issues that we don't realize the wow of what God is doing around us. Let me give you a quick Christmas story. It happened a couple of weeks ago. Margaret, our domestic worker, she's also the head cleaner at the church, she arrived at her home and she was weeping. She was crying. She was distressed. He said, Margaret, what happened? He says, I lost my phone. That morning, normally she takes one taxi from Hamas Crawley into Pretoria. That morning, she had to take three because she took one taxi. The thing broke down at a puncture. So she had to take a second taxi from Hamas Crawley to Sushanguvi, a third taxi from Sushanguvi to Pretoria. Somewhere in between, she lost her phone. And you must understand, a phone is a very personal thing. You know what happens when you lose your phone? She had numbers of it. She had photos. She's just lost her partner two months ago. She had photos of him there and, and photos of the grandchildren. And all. It, it, it is irrestorable stuff. And she's distressed. She's sad. She's weeping. We try to call, to call the phone and, and then come, oh, this number is unavailable. So I say, okay, that's it. Somebody has taken this phone and it's, it's gone. She spent a very sad day. She went home. That evening, my wife gets a please call me from Margaret. So my wife calls Margaret. When Margaret answers, Margaret goes, Mrs. Praise the year, Mrs. Praise the year, praise the Lord. I've got my phone. This is what happened. Now, here's what happened. Somewhere along those taxis, a lady found Margaret's phone. She picked up the phone, she put it in a bag, and went to work. When she got to work, she approached a colleague of hers. She says, Listen, I found this phone. In, in, the, in the taxi, and I can't open it. See if we can do something, maybe we can find out who it belongs to. So the guy, the colleague, took the phone, and he managed to open the phone, and as the phone opened up, Margaret has a, a photo of herself as a screensaver. So as he opened up, he looks at the phone and says, ah, oh, this is Mama Margaret. She's a neighbor of mine. He says, really, you're okay? So that evening, he goes home, and in the evening, he goes to Margaret's house, knocks on the door, Margaret's in the sitting room, somebody knocks, he goes there, it's her neighbor. He says, Mama Margaret, what happened to your phone? She says, ah, oh, I don't want to talk about my phone, I've lost my phone, I'm so distressed. He says, Mama, is this your phone? He says, what? How did you find that? <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but to me, it's like, wow. Huh? 
how God can take care of one of his ch children and organize of all the hundreds of people, if not thousands, that do that route every day. He connects this one lady with this one guy who happens to be the neighbor of Margaret. Amazing. <laughs> Come on. Ah. That's what the Christmas story is about. Being amazed at the things that God does. Become aware and be amazed at what God is doing around you, in your life, in your family. Don't become so familiar and so taken up with your life that you don't notice the amazing things that God is doing around you. And don't become so familiar with a Christmas story that you miss the amazing details leading up to the birth of Christ. Take time. To think about these truths in this season and what it means to you personally and be amazed at his love for you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up and let's close in closing prayer. Thank you, Father. Father God, we thank you for your amazing love for us and all for the amazing detail leading up to this Christmas story, to that night in the manger. And Lord, I thank you for the amazing love you have for each one of us. And brothers and sisters, as we are praying over here right now, I, I want you just to, to take a moment to think about this amazing God who loves you. And if there is anyone here today that has not surrendered his or her life to Jesus, why don't you do it now, right there where you are? Just say, Lord Jesus, thank you for your amazing love for me. I surrender my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I put my trust in you as my Lord and my Savior. Maybe some of you this morning, you're struggling with illness, disease, something affecting your body. Let's trust God this morning to touch you. That is you just right now call on God and say, Lord Jesus, you are my Savior. And I trust you in you for my healing to you. And I, Father, I pray for those that are trusting you right now in this hall, in this recording, Father, that are trusting you for healing. Won't you touch those bodies now in Jesus' name? Let the wonder of Christmas and the power of God touch lives and bodies in Jesus' name. And maybe you are uncertain about your future. We heard it this morning. God clearly reminding us and encouraging us not to be afraid of the future. Not to be afraid of the new year. If that is you this morning, why don't you write it quietly where you are? Just say, Lord Jesus, I trust in you. I put my trust in you. Remove fear from me. And Father, you have given us a spirit of power and love and of might and of a sound mind. You have not given us a spirit of fear. And therefore, I break the power of fear over anyone who is struggling with fear here this morning or here in this recording. In Jesus' name, we break the power of fear and we release the power of the love of God because there is no fear in love. Hallelujah. And thank you, Father, that we can enjoy this season with amazement, 
remembering, being reminded of all the wonderful things you did leading up to Christmas. Oh, and that you do still today in our lives. We give you glory and honor. And so now, may the love of God the Father, the grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit remain upon each one of us throughout this Christmas season and until we meet the Lord face to face in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy your Sunday. See you next Sunday again. And remember on the 21st, 9.30, you have a Christmas service over here if you're not away. God bless you. Amen.